Amen. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 23. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. Amen. Amen. So when you have it, we're going to start reading. Amen. Amen. So, and they came into the brook of Esco and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Esco because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron to all, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And when they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants of the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in a we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Amen. 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 This morning I'm going to be talking about the cluster of confusion. The cluster of confusion. <laughs> the cluster the in our word world series the cluster of confusion amen um you know even this is uh, you know kind of backtracking even from last week as uh you know our pastor and uh, our senior pastor and his wife begins to share the word of god with us out of joshua which really fast forwards from this point to where you know they finally had entered in and now Joshua and God was establishing some things with Joshua. And we were told last week to only be, only be, only be strong, only be courageous, you know, only be meditating on the word, you know, uh, keep the word of God on repeat out of your mouth. I just encourage you to go back and listen to that. It was an awesome word. I really enjoyed it. Amen. But we're going to go back and try to see now, you know, we're kind of picking up the story of the struggles of them actually going into this land. You know, the struggles of the people who came out of bondage coming up uh, up on the cusp of actually seeing the, uh, the the promise, you know, and 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 what where they were struggling. Amen. 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 So let's go. <clears throat> let's go to verse 23. We're just going to pick it up. Amen. So, and they came into the brook of Eshco and cut down from thence a branch, which one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between 
two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So this particular uh, place, Eshko, was uh, uh, the, the name means cluster. Like the name means cluster. Now, this particular place, or even this name, came from one of the uh, brothers of the Amorites, of, of the brother of, Amor of of the Amorite, and it stems all the way back to Abraham. You know, so this place has history. You know, even God's people having a connection to this particular place has history with. Pretty much they, you know, Eshko and Amorite and that family came to Abraham when Lot was in trouble, when all the kings were at war and they began to, you know, pretty much tell Abraham, hey, your, your nephew is in trouble. You know, he needs your help, you know, and this is where we see Abraham in during his time really kind of giving a picture of how great he was, just how God made him great all by himself how he had trained men in the midst of his camp, over 300, you know, this wasn't everybody. He had trained servants, you know, that, that went out to battle with him so they could save, you know, the nephew, amen. So this particular connection even goes all the way back to that particular point, amen. You know, so now we see this thing coming full circle. And if we really go through all of the steps, the things that God told Abraham, when we're talking about this word world, we're talking about, um, you know, God speaking things to us and us beginning to walk into those things and letting the word of God shape our world, letting the word of God shape how we act, how we respond, what we think, what we say and everything. Right. That, that the word of God becomes that world for us. Amen. So the things that God told Abraham surely came to pass, even to the dark times that he said that his people was going to have, you know, down to that time of them being in bondage. And, you know, the time, you know, he God told Abraham all of these things. And we see how God began to raise up different people, you know, to be able to even get them to that point from raising up jo Joseph by the end of Genesis to even get them to the point of being in Egypt in the first place, which was a place of salvation at the time, but then turned into a place of bondage after they were there, which was a fulfillment of God's word. But even during those dark times, that God raised up a deliverer, Moses. And now that we're in the age or in this time period which Moses is being used to be able to bring them out of that place of bondage to now bring them into the place that God had really promised even to Abraham that his people would be blessed, his seed would be blessed. And those that were blessed, his seed would also be blessed. Amen. You know, so it was a fulfillment of going back multiple generations. Right. And, and, and you know, and it's one of these things of, you know, when we come to this place, this cluster is it's the collection of a whole lot of different things. Right. When we're talking about a cluster. You know, so Eshko means cluster. The actual name means cluster. And, and, and it, when, it, when it's spoken about these grapes and the, and the figs and the fruit that was there, that even, even up until this day and point in time now, presently, it has been rumored at times that there are some grapes that are as big as pomegranates there. There, there are big as 
big as uh, plums there, I should say, you know, that, that the, the clusters, that the fruitfulness of this land was great and still is, you know, as I begin to look up the, even this land, what it looked like, what they were really, you know, looking like, even when I look at the grapes, look, grapes look wonderful, wonderful. The clusters look totally different than what we go see in the, well, what we go buy out of the store, they tighten, you know, it is just so beautiful, right? Big clusters of grapes looking succulent, looking wonderful, right? It's just showing the fruitfulness of the land, amen? And, and But so they cut these things down, and as they cut these things down, they begin to walk. You know, this is kind of like they're taking back some proof of what's happening in this land. They're taking back some proof of the, the fruit of this land. You know, they're taking back the reality of what, what this land can give them, what God has now given them. Amen. And it's think, the thing about us sometimes is sometimes we get on the edge of what God has given us. We get right there on the edge and God has even given us a little bit of proof, a little bit of, you know, just a, a, a snapshot, a little bit of experience. Right. You're able to get just a little bit of it. Right. And but that little bit that you take back is still not enough sometimes to convince us. It just depends on where you are in your interpretation of what you see. Amen. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that as we're talking about this cluster of confusion. So all of, all the word coming to pass, all the word coming to pass, they come into this place where this is the culmination. This is what generations have been waiting for. This, this was not just about them getting a good, a good, a good place to have good fruit, but this was them inheriting ownership, inheriting land, inheriting a place that would be given to them throughout the generations that God had gave to Abraham and his foref their forefathers, amen? And now God had raised them up, brought them out, did all these great things. We see all the different plagues. We see all the greatness that God did to even bring them to this place. And then even coming to this place, we see that now there's still a cluster. The, the, the picture is this, that there's one spot out of all of these particular uh, uh, tribes, you know, that had come, you know, and, and these spies come back now that they have scouted out the land. Come on, let's go to verse 24. Saying the place was called the Brook of Esker because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. Amen. And then let's go to verse 25. So, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, after 40 days. So uh, we were on verse 25, amen? So, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, amen? So it is during this time, these spies are there. And as the spies are there, you know, they are trying to, you know, scout out the land, seeing what's happening with the land, seeing what's happening with the people, they're processing, we're on verse 25, well, they're processing what they see. You know, they were there for a month and 10 days, pretty much, or a month and nine days, however you want to look at it, right? Uh, they were there, and, and, and during this time of 40, we know 40 is a number of testing, is a number of temptation, you know, it is a number of trial, right? Uh, this is where their interpretation of what God has done and said throughout all of these years now is being tried. 
not by God, but by them. How did they interpret what God is giving them when God actually gives, gives them the opportunity to go and put their hands on, their feet on, and their eyes on, to go and smell, to go and, and not get caught, to go and go and experience exactly what God said. It was a testing of their faith. It was a testing of what they, how were they going to interpret this? How were they going to interpret this? As they walked through the land, they saw the good, they saw the bad. But we know good and bad sometimes is relative to us, right? You know, some of us seem good. You know, some of us seem to seem more good than bad. Some people seem to seem more, they seem to see more bad than good in situations. It's all about the viewpoint. It's all about what, it, what, what kind of world on the inside do you have? Because they all saw the same thing. Why are we coming back with different interpretations, different reports? Because it's the filter of what we see. It's almost like when you, when you go and people go and, and, and they go experience the same things, they have, people have different stories. You, you never get the same story from everybody because everybody has a different experience on how they go through that particular thing and how they interpret that thing and how they deal with that thing on the inside of them. And sometimes because of maybe a deficiency in the word on the inside or a deficiency of remembering this is what God has said, a deficiency of those things, Sometimes, or we may sometimes even look at what God is saying in a different way. Not meaning we forgot what God said, but now maybe I remember what he has said, but these are the same people who, you know, appreciative maybe about being, you know, delivered out of Egypt sometimes, depending on the day and the situation. <laughs> you ever been that person? I'm, I've been that person, right? Depending on the day and the situation, I may be appreciative of what God is doing. I recognize that God is doing, but I'm not, uh, that he's doing something, but I'm not always appreciative that he's doing it. Why? Because it's not the way I want it done, or it's not, it's not comfortable for me, or it's not, well, why, why would God even have us go through this particular type of situation in the first place? These are the same people who have problems with manna. They have problems with, you know, they have problems with the whole going through the wilderness. They have problems with God's process. They have problems with the way that God wanted to do things. They, they are appreciative that God wants to do this, that he is doing it, but I'm not always appreciative. They were not always appreciative with the process because of the world that they were living in on the inside. It was a cluster of confusion. A cluster of confusion. Cluster pretty much just means a continuous, you know, a, a group of a gathering of the same things, right? Come on, let's let's do the definition of confusion. Definition of confusion. To confuse means to disturb in mind or purpose, or to make distinct. To disturb in mind or purpose 
or to make distinct or to or to also to fail to differentiate from an often similar or related other or to mix indiscriminately meaning to jumble together meaning uh, to make to make indistinct means to blur the lines <laughs> right we blur the lines between how we feel about god's word and whether it is actually good or not we blur the lines between you know our interpretation and our truth of things and what is actually true and this, and this causes confusion because it begins to disturb the mind where this, this should have been, uh, 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 where they should have, 12 spies should have came back with so much excitement that they should have been like, y'all are too loud. You know, they should have came back with so much, you would think, because most of us think that when we get close to what God has actually told us to do, that the we have this picture of how we are going to react. I can't wait. I can't, you know, I did, man, I can't wait until that particular thing begins to come to pass in my life. I can't wait until that particular thing begins to happen in my life. Until you're faced with the reality of it actually happening. Isn't it, isn't it like that? You know, I was talking to my son the other day, it, it, you know, we was talking about how hot it was. And I said, you know what's funny about us humans? It's like, you know, we're never really satisfied. You know, this is why Paul said, what godliness with contentment is great gain. <laughs> because it's hard for us to be satisfied. Either it's too hot or too cold. Not cold enough, not hot enough. It's not warm enough. It's not this. It's it's hard for us to be satisfied. So sometimes because we don't want this particular situation, oh, I'm going through the wilderness and, you know, I can't wait till we're in the place that God said we not have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, food and to worry about having the land and worry about water and worry about these different things. But now right on the cusp of actually being in that place, there is confusion. There's confusion. They're disturbing in their they're disturbed in their mind, disturbed in their purpose because of what they have to face. Because of what they have to face. Amen. So look at this. In verse 26, I know we have a lot of scriptures, so you know. I'm not going to linger too long. Amen. So, and they went and came uh, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Quran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they brought back what? A world to them. They brought back the word world to them. They brought back word. They brought back their report. And they brought back proof of their report. So they would not, look, we're not lying about what is happening there. You know, hey, you know, we're in the, the right place. This is what God has said. We're right here in the wilderness, in this dry place. And we're right here on the edge of actually passing through, crossing over 
into what God has spoken and promised us. But right here on the edge, as they begin to bring back this word, what is their interpretation? Why, why is there different word? Why do we have a different word about the same thing that God is doing for, for, for all of us sometimes, sometimes for each of us, or and, you know, even in the same house, sometimes we can have a different word. Well, I don't think that's a blessing because this, this, that, and the other. It don't seem like a blessing to me. Even as you know, me and my wife was talking about this, how sometimes we can begin to look at God's blessings as burdens. We look at God's blessings as some type of a trap or some type of, you know, what about these particular things that are part of the blessing? What about these particular things that it's going to take to be blessed? And sometimes we have to look at, you know, because we start to begin to look at what we, what these people begin to do. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we begin to look at ourselves. Their word was their interpretation of themselves. Their word was an interpretation of the land and how they felt in the land, how the land made them feel, how the people made them feel. It wasn't about what God has said. It wasn't about, you know what, our forefathers were told this. Look how God has showed us, even through the wilderness, you know, he, he, he gave us water out of a rock. We're eating out of the sky every day. <coughs> He's given enough to eat on, 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 on the Sabbath for two days and keeping it good enough for two days. Our clothes have not withered. You know, we have not ran out of anything. And now God, this same God has been faithful throughout all of these generations. Throughout all of these generations, we come to this particular situation and we begin to forget. We forget the same God, that he's the same God that we, we, that we faced adversity before. We faced different things before. We, we, we faced dire straits before. We faced horrible situations before and God was still the same God. He still was the same God. But we forget that he's still that same God. We forget from blessing to blessing. It's like we're bringing up the same questions about the same God. We're bringing up the same questions that's already been proven about this God that we say, look, look at what he did. You know? But it's, it's almost like, you know, what have you done for me lately type thing. Right. <laughs> and for some of us, that's the way we deal with the Lord. What have you done for me lately? I know you did that, but that's that situation. That's done now. We in this situation now. So we begin to, and I want to, I want us to really begin to look at ourselves today because we're talking about this world that comes out of our mouth that we want to create. But what about the words that are going on on the inside of us or even the interpretation of those words that we have on the inside of us? Is God is what God showed you is what God what what God has shown you, what God has done for you, what you know about the word of God? Is it producing something called faith? Is it producing something in us where we have a connection to the word where we're solid with the word, where we understand that this world that we look at now is being interpreted not by how we feel, 
not even by the facts that may be there. Facts as far as what I look at to be a fact. I even want you to look at why do you look at that to be a fact? And is your faith greater than the facts? Does, does faith overcome facts? What we take on to be facts just as human beings, because just as being people, because there are some things they said that are real, that there were real things going on there. There were real people. There were real threats. There were real stuff that was going on there. Come on, because I'm going to get ahead of myself. Come on, let's go to verse 27. And they told him and said, we came into the land <clears throat> whither thy sin is up, and surely it flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So they, they started with the good news. So, man, you sent us there, and man, it looks great. Look, look, we couldn't even carry the grapes in our hands. We had to, we had to put them on a stick and carry them. Look, this place is wonderful. It is fruitful. But it, 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 it's amazing that even in this wonderful, fruitful place they just came from, they still came back with bad news. God can show us the brighter side of things and we still hold on to the bad. What kind of world are you are we living in on the inside that you that, that you that we begin to reject that which could strengthen our faith just to hold on to the stuff that weakens our faith? That we reject the word that builds us up. And we harp on what we call, well, what about this? And you can't just, you know, just overlook this and can't just overlook that. But what about the same God that just, you know, gave you a drink out this rock? What about the same God that's, that's giving you angels food every day? What about this same God that, that you know, you pretty much walked, you know, in, in, in a sea. You, you walked in a sea to get away from your enemies. What about the same God who, who killed, you know, all the firstborn of the land and spared yours, uh, you know, to show, you know, that, that his favor was on you? What about the same God that turned the water into blood? You know, what do are we forgetting? We have to ask ourselves, why? Why is it? Why? Why is it? Why is it that we hold on to that? Are we, with some of us, are we preparing ourselves because this is where, you know, they call it what the sky's falling syndrome in a sense, or the, the, view, the viewpoint that the sky is always falling. You're always being prepared for the worst. Faith considers the worst. Faith doesn't prepare for the worst all the time. Faith considers the worst that if I need to prepare, then I will. But the worst is not what I'm believing. Because even in the midst of it being the worst, what I may deem for it to be the worst doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay that way because of who I am believing God to be. Who I believe him to be. And for some of us, we don't believe that God is a God where we really come down to it. Our world, world, the world of our belief 
it's not it's not something that we say well well god you know when it comes to god it's almost like well he may just allow anything you know and i'm not gonna get into this a whole nother total different type of theological you know conversation i'm not even gonna say theological just biblical conversation because people do have choice, right? And as people have choice, yes, he's not going to get in the way of people making choice. Not all the time. And people's choices have an effect on us, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that God cannot supersede. God cannot make things beautiful in his own time. That God cannot begin to turn things around. But if we believe that he's not that type of God, then we would never position ourselves to be able to get in that place to do it, to, us, to experience. What we'll do is say, this is this type of God. He's this type of God. He's the type of God, you know, these are the people who believe that God just brought us out here to start, even though he's feeding us. That God just brought us out here so we would dive dehydration, even though we can get water where, whenever we need it. Jehovah Rophah came from him healing the water, healing bitter waters with a tree. You know, it's, it's, it's that name, you know what I'm saying, came from him healing so they could drink. So he could heal their complaint, so he can deal with that, with that, that. It's, it's this root on the inside of us where some of us have to face that, look, I am upset with how God sometimes allows the situation to happen before I see him to be a good God. Before he turns this thing around, right? Before he turns it all around. Why does he even have to allow me to be in a situation where he got to turn around? Why does he even have to allow the situation to happen to where I, it seems like I'm at a disadvantage before he gives me an advantage? These are some of the issues. Sometimes I'll tell you from experience. These are some of the issues sometimes that I've had with God. Well, God, what is the point of this process? Because then I get confused because you say you're good, but this is not good to me. You say you're great, but this is you don't seem to be great in this. You say you're this, but I'm not getting this. You say you're this, and but I'm not getting this. You say you this, but I'm not experiencing this. Other people seem to be experiencing this, but why are you, why am I not experiencing this part of who you are? It is, it is in that place, you know. Come on, let's go to verse 28. So nevertheless, the people be strong. Listen, now, after the good news, let me give you how I really feel. Nevertheless, the people be strong to dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anna there. <laughs> Look, nevertheless, it's a wonderful place. 
Like, like we said, God, yes, you're wonderful. You're great. But nevertheless, look at my situation. Nevertheless, look at what we got to face in order for what, what you say to come to pass. What? The people are strong. The cities are walled up. And they're very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, meaning that the children of Anak were giants, were known to be giants in the land. I mean, they already had a reputation. They already knew who these, these children of Anak were. So he, look, nevertheless, so look, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. See, they look like, look, it, the land is already taken. Why, why, God, why have you sent us into this situation? This situation does not look like a blessing. It looks like a situation. It looks like you're setting us up for something that is quite risky. It looks like you're setting us up for failure. It looks like you're setting us up for know, for things to fall apart. It looks like you're setting us up. And if we be honest, many of us sometimes have felt like this when it comes to that walk of faith that we have with God, that it, it looks like you're setting us up. It looks like you're setting me up. It don't look, this don't look like a blessing. And I, I, me and my wife was talking about this. I said, you know, many of the blessings of God come with threats, come with something to work through. Just think about it. When you, when you go through the scriptures, one of the greatest blessings, Jesus Christ, we see the most, one of the most gruesome deaths, right? One of the greatest blessings of the New Testament, Paul, as but sometimes we get Pastor Paul, <laughs> Pastor Paul Nelson sometimes on Sundays, you know, <laughs> Pastor Lincoln Nelson being Pastor Paul when he starts to beseech us, amen. <laughs> but, but Paul, one of the greatest writers, apostles of the New Testament, it, it, he got hit straight. You're going to suffer many things for this gospel, for the name of Christ. Why, why, why does God allow certain things to happen? Well, even we go to Abraham, let's go all the way up to the front. We go to Abraham. Your seed is going to be this. My seed is not coming. My seed, we are 90 and 100. Like My seed is dead. The egg is dead. What are you talking about, God? It, it, God has to allow us to go through these situations to create opportunities for faith to begin to fill that space. For that world, now that you're faced with the facts, they were speaking facts. The facts are that there are giants there. <coughs> There's people already in the land that you say is ours. God, if it was ours, why is it not empty? God, if it was ours, why do we have to have all this extra work to be able to do it? <clears throat> why, why do we have to now go and fight to get the land? 
that you say is ours. Why can't you, you said you gave. You didn't say we had to take. Giving and taking is not the same thing in our vocabulary. <laughs> God gave them the land and now he said, go take it. But the, it, it is the faith and the works that now expose what kind of word world do you have on the inside. When you're, when you're faced with the facts of your situation, the facts of what you're, what you're looking at, the facts of the numbers, because, you know, they say women lie, men lie, but the numbers don't lie. When you're faced with the facts of the numbers of, of either your bank account, the facts of, you know, maybe the numbers of your age, the numbers of this, the numbers of that. Well, how many times do we respond kind of like these people say, hey, well, I'm just trying to state the facts because we don't want to be unwise. We're not trying to be stupid. We're not trying to look, man, we got to really think this thing through. But how many times us thinking this thing through is really just us trying to kind of pacify that we are afraid. That we're scared. We're scared of the facts. We're scared that we won't be able to overcome the facts. We're scared that God is going to allow us to go into the situation and God is not going to help us, but God is going to allow us to begin to fall in the midst of this. <clears throat> we, we, so I want you to face what is your word world on the inside? <clears throat> Because some of us are good at speaking scripture, but we're not good at speaking faith. This is what the Lord began to deal with me about. He said, you're good at speaking scripture, but you don't always speak faith. Meaning you know the word and you know you can speak the word and you're just speaking what you know, but it's not in faith. Or even when you respond to the facts, the facts, the way you respond to the facts is not in faith. You don't have a pushback on the inside of you to say, oh, well, that's not that, that all of that is fine, but that's not what's going to happen. All of that is okay. And that's okay. You know, that's fine. The people are here, the children are Anakin there, the city's a wall, the people are great, you know, the Amorites are there. The Jebusites are there. The, you know, the Canaanites are over there right at the, right at the Jordan, right where we got to go in at. But that's fine. You know, we, you know where you're saying, look, I, I, I'm listening to everything you're saying, but what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What is our response to it? Is there a pushback? And if we be honest, sometimes we don't push back. We don't push back because we say, yeah. Say, <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Come on now, I, I do it too. I, yeah, you're right about that, man. Man, that's serious. <laughs> and then we just kind of leave it right there. <laughs> you know, we leave it right there. There's no, there's no pushback of, but God, there's no pushback of, no, no, God's going to do this. No, there's no, there's no boldness. Don't mean you got to be loud, but there should be a line drawn in the sand. Yeah, I know we face all of that, but God, but God is going, but God gave us this. This is God. This, 
What we're walking into is the word world. They were actually about to walk into, they had just came from walking in the word world, the word that the world that was created for them by the word. It was created for them. Now they're looking at all the people in the land, but not looking at God said, you're going to have this and going to have that. You're not going to have to worry about it. They're going to give you all of these things. You didn't build vineyards. You didn't plant. You, but we're looking at the people who actually did the work for the blessing to be there, to be prepared. And we can't get past the people. We can't get past the situation. We can't get past the obstacles. We can't get past those particular things to be able to now say, you know what? That's fine that they're there. That's fine that these people are there. That's fine that these facts are facts. But I got faith over facts. My faith is greater than the facts. When is our word world on the inside? I'm talking about from your heart. Because see, when we're talking about faith, we've learned that faith is not just belief. Faith is rooted from conviction about the truth. So if I understand that my conviction about the truth of what God said about my life, that yes, these things are facts, but it's not the truth. I know what you're trying to insinuate. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say that we don't have a chance. You're trying to say that, man, this is dangerous. You're trying to say that this is risky. You're trying to say that that's too much for us. You're trying to say that you can't do this. We can't do this. We're not prepared for this. That's what you're trying to say. But those things are all lies. Amen? So that as they begin to talk about the people, people that are there, you know, and, and but Caleb now, we know Caleb and, and Joshua had a different response. Okay. But Caleb, which we don't hear, you know, Caleb don't have a book in the Bible. Come on, Caleb. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb doesn't have, uh, 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 you know, his, his own stories as far as just a whole lot of, all we see is Caleb with Caleb's life is endurance and faith. We don't see him talking a whole lot. We don't even see him, you know, uh, uh, having a whole lot to say, but we see endurance and faith. Faith and endurance. So he's like, look, he's seen the people start getting stirred up. Because the world that these people were releasing out of their, out of, through their words was a world of fear, a world of confusion. Oh, man, I thought we was about to, <clears throat> that this whole wilderness situation was about to be over. Oh, my God, And what are we going to do? And we're not fighters, and we're not, you know, warriors, and we're not this, and we're not that. Because not all of these 10 spies have this, have this, have this report. All of this is going on, and that which God had prepared for us. But Caleb still the people, man, he made him hush. Because you're adding to a world of confusion. But you keep on talking and responding to what they're saying. How many times we done added to a world of confusion, a world of Because fear will bring confusion. Because fear disconnects us from the reality and the truth of what God has said. We, and now we're confused whether we can have it or not 
whether God is going to do it or not. Doubt begins to come in. And now we, we hesitate. And we're going back and forth. We, you know, we're going, you know, we double minded and all these other things. And we start begin to create this world of confusion, this cluster of confusion that includes fear. And fear can feel like faith. Fear is a type of faith. It's a conviction about the truth, about a truth that's not true. Fear is a conviction about a truth that's not true. It is when I begin to believe something opposite of what God has said no matter what, what is being introduced to me, no matter what is being given to me. So Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. So look, he said, look, we're more than able. <laughs> look at, the, I mean, we are two different sides of the spectrum. These are the same people that he just spent 40 days with, he probably already knew. They was already speaking doubt on the way back. Caleb, man, did you see? Man, they got giants over there. My God, what are we going to do now? Man, I mean, we might as well get some fruit because this might be the only fruit we're going to get. Start joking about the failure that they've already started believing in. You know, you ever been in that, you know, you start laughing about what you're scared about because you're trying to deal with it. You're trying to see if you're going to fully accept that this is, is going to be the fate, is going to be the end. <clears throat> and we start to lose courage to believe. We start to lose courage to say, you know what? No, my world is according to what God has said. God shapes my world. <clears throat> he said, let us go up at once. What, why is he saying, let's go up at once? Stop giving yourself space to start down. See, you know, there comes a time where you just need to act. Things have already been said. Stuff has already been put in place. Stuff God has already spoken. There comes a time where thinking it through is done. Think why you want to go. Go do. Some people call it analysis paralysis, meaning you are so busy trying to analyze the best way to do this, to do that, to do this, to do that. You want to come up with the best thing that can begin to alleviate the most stuff, and I'm not saying planning is not necessary. I'm not saying that, that, that thinking things through is not necessary. These things are necessary. But some of us, we've been thinking things through for years about the same subject. We've been planning stuff for years about the same thing. We've been planning, but you know, the planning stage is done. At some point, you're not going to actually get it done until you do it. 
The planning stage is done. For some things, okay, amen, you don't know, you haven't thought it through, amen. But there's a part of faith that you just have to begin to step and allow God to be God. That you have to begin to now step into that world of faith where there's a lot of things that you can't plan for. But God has already planned for you. God, the plan, the, the, the plan is I got God. That's the plan sometimes. So because, you know, I even do this sometimes when I'm preparing to speak. God has taught me over the years that there's a cutoff at times. He said, OK, that's enough. Don't write down nothing else. The rest of it is me because he's trying to teach me not to depend on me. So even sometimes when I speak, I have an outline and then I say, okay, now this is why I have to trust God. Forgive me, because I don't have it. And I've come to a place where I've now, I now I'm starting to realize, okay, I must settle in that God got this and not me. And that's what helps me. You know? And every time he got it. Of course he does. So now I have a confidence he got it. So if I don't get much at all, I know he got it. If I don't write down much at all, I know he got it. I don't always feel good. Sometimes the facts is I'm scared. <laughs> That's the facts, you know. I'm still afraid because I don't feel like I got it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, then, but then I have to take that principle to other parts of my life. God is going to lead you into places sometimes when you feel like you don't got it. Because he does. You don't supposed to have it. That's a word world. The word where you're depending on the word and not yourself. When you're depending on you and not, I mean, you're depending on what God has spoken and not you. And sometimes you just have to just go step out. He said, let's go up at once. Let's stop all this talking. Because you're going to think yourself out of the blessing. You're going to think yourself, you're going to explain yourself to why you should wait. You're going to explain the reasons why, and we're going to come up with a whole dissertation of why this is not good at this particular point in time. You know, we was watching uh, watching something the other night about that, that, that shooting where there was a lot of hesitation, the Uvalde shooting, and it's just coming up to me right now. There was no plan in place, right? But even when there was not a plan in place, there was no action in place. You know, why? Because there was fear there and, and it may not be what they really want to say, but there was fear that they didn't want to charge in debt and get hurt, you know, but, but nobody had a plan. But in the absence of when you don't know what to do, sometimes action will, you know, you got to fall back on. They already had training. See, this is the thing. God has already trained most of us in faith. God has already trained most of us that you can that you can make it through crazy situations. You already been in dire straits. Some of us in the more blessed place than we ever been and got the lowest faith than we ever had. Where the faith should be expanded, where it should be great. We should be in a place where we're making great statements of faith because we know who God is. We know who God is after all of these years. But why is it that we come through all of these years and we still come to the edge of something else that God said and then we come with the same, man, I don't know. How you don't know? It's just a convenient lie that we tell ourselves so we don't have to act. How you don't know? 
You're lying to yourself. We're lying to ourselves. Is it convenient? Yes, you do know. You do know. You know last week. You know last month. You know last year. You know the last five years. You know the last 10 years. You know. You do know. I want to tell you this morning, you know. Stop acting like you don't know. Stop acting like what you're facing is greater than what you've ever faced before. In principle, it is the same. It is the same. It's not, it's not any greater than what you've ever faced before. It's, it, it is the same. In principle of faith, in principle of you saying, okay, God, you got this. He's the same God that said that you that had it three years ago, 10 years ago, eight years ago, that had it last week, that had it through this situation. You already, God got this. He said, let's just go up and possess it, man. Why are we around here talking? You're going to talk yourself into a mistake. You're going to talk yourself into doubt. For we're well able to what? Overcome. He said, look, man, we've been more than prepared for this. But these people didn't believe it. Why? Come on, let's go to verse 31. No, I got the end. So, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are strong. Okay. So, so now I, they're stronger. So they're stronger than all of Egypt. <laughs> they're stronger than all of Egypt. You just got delivered from Egypt. But these people are stronger than the, the Egyptians. Okay, maybe they big. All right. But are they still people? They did God <coughs> beat the Egyptians with brute strength. No. He beat them with his power. <coughs> so the thing is, this is where we what we do. Because we say, you know, <coughs> well, God. Just remove the enemy out of, because we, we don't want to deal with the enemy in the midst of our faith. And, I, you know, just talking this out, I say, you know what? You know, we want God to remove the enemy. But what about if the enemy is me? See, this is why sometimes God can't remove the enemy. Because sometimes the enemy to my faith is me. The enemy to my situation, to my process is me. It's me. It's not the devil so much per se. I'm in league with him sometimes I, through my thoughts, through this word world on the inside, because we see what Caleb speaking faith. Did he speak the word? He sure did. Did he say a scripture? Nope, but he spoke faith. He spoke the word. The word of faith was not him even in his mouth. It's the word of faith. He spoke the word of faith. What is your word of faith? Speak the word, but speaking in faith. Speak the word and make it applicable in faith to your, to your life so it can begin to create the world that you're looking for. If we be honest, some of us, we speak the word, but is it in a real Is it in a real faith? Is it in a conviction that somebody say, well, what about this? And mm -mm, no, no, no. <laughs> what he said only come in the past. What he said, for some of us, and I'm just, I'm speaking to me too, like, <clears throat> it's until we get into certain situations that that strong conviction, it doesn't come to, it doesn't come to the forefront. 
So sometimes a God knows how to make the potential of who we are as, as, as his people, as his children come to a place, uh, come to the surface. So there has to be resistance. There has to be resistance to what you say you believe, because that's what's going to make you push more. That's what's going to make that world bigger, that when you speak it, it affects more. When you speak it, 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 it changes more because it's coming from a place of singularity on the inside. It's coming from a oneness that, that I, am, I am fully convinced on the inside. There's no doubleness in me. There's no, there's no, I'm going back here, going back here. There's no doubleness in me. There's been times when I know that what I was speaking is coming out of my mouth. I could sense it was changing. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It was changing things in my life. Whether I saw it or not, I was that convinced. My faith was that convinced that when I said it, it is happening right now. Doesn't I don't need no proof. My faith is the proof. My faith is the substance. My faith is what, I, what I'm saying is what is going to, it's going to happen because I have the word to back it up and I'm only regurgitating what the word has said out of my heart. What is the world on the inside of you? Is it a cluster of confusion or is it a cluster of the word? Is it a cluster of confusion or a cluster of the word? A cluster of faith, meaning you only got faith to answer for faith. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. Come on, give me verse 32. So they brought up an evil report. An evil report of the land which they have searched unto the children of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in a man of, of, of a great stature. They had their eyes on themselves. I said, well, did I, while the 40 days while they were gone, did they see the land get, they eat up somebody? And if it did, why did all, all 12 of them make it back? They started speaking lies. It was their perception. They was letting you into what was going on in their world. It wasn't a word world on the inside. It was a cluster of confusion. It was a blurring of the lines. Oh, yeah, I know God is great, but, you know, man, that's a land that's going to tear people up. That's that's. Because they didn't want to be hurt. For some of us, we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be disappointed. So that's why we're so careful. It's not so much that it is it, it, we're just so careful out of wisdom. It's not because wisdom is not that that much hesitation. Wisdom knows how to plan and then and then produce. This is why I begin to. You know, we were praying last night and, and, and God began to, in the prayer, you know, sometimes, you know, God would just show something to you that wisdom should cause you to produce. It's not wisdom if you're not producing. Yes, there's a planning phase. Yes, there's a planning stage. Yes, there's things that's supposed to be in place, 
But if I'm not producing and doing, there's a time of application. There's a time of production. There's a time of execution. He said, look, the land that, man, they're going to eat us up, man. We don't have a chance. Those people are of great stature. They're bigger than us. The numbers are bigger than us. <clears throat> they got more on their side. They got more money in the bank. They got this. They got that. They've, they established. They know the land. They know the layout of the land. We already at disadvantage. Come on, let me verse 33. I'm going to let y'all go. Saying so, there we saw the giants, sons of Anna, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. We were in our own sight. As grasshoppers, pretty much locusts. And so we were in their sight. So now they begin to project what they feel about themselves onto everybody else. Because many times what we do is we begin to say, you know what? This is the way this is making me feel. So this is, must be what you think about me. No, you just feel that way. Just own your feelings. Your feelings and your interpretation about what you, about yourself, has nothing to do with anybody else. In essence, it doesn't because they can't really even come in and change how you feel about yourself. You have to do that. So even if they do feel that way, you may have made them feel that way over a course of period of time because you keep on saying, hey, well, this is how I feel about me. So I know they feel that about me too. No. Some of us, we have a mantra. We have, we have different things that we say about ourselves. We're awkward with this, with that, with this, with that, you know. And these are things that, so now people have just, now when they get to know you or they, they know you for this, this is what you presented to them. It's not a word world. Meaning that part of your world, that part of your city, us being the cities on the hill, that part of our city is contaminated, torn down by what we're saying. How we're viewing ourselves. And because of how we view ourselves, because of how we look at ourselves collectively, individually, because of how we view ourselves, we get certain, we get certain uh, results from how we view ourselves. I know that's hard. The results and the results that we get are not just happening to us. It's not just happening. It is because of how I view myself. I only view myself to be able to do this. I only view myself to be able to accomplish this. I only view myself to be able to, because if you truly believe that you were greater than what you say you are right now, or that you truly know that God has more, and I'm not saying, okay, you speed up the timeline. We, you know, we went over that a couple of weeks ago. You, we're not saying jump in the process. What I'm saying is you should already be convinced that you are that person. If you're not convinced now that you are that person, when you step into what God has, when you get close to it, when it is time, it is going to reveal the truth of how you feel about yourself. It's going to reveal it. 
It's going to reveal that you don't feel like you're the, the head and not the tail. It's going to reveal that you don't feel like you, you're above only and not beneath. It's going to reveal it. It's going to reveal that you don't believe you're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. It's going to reveal it. It's going to reveal that you don't truly believe you're a king's kid in every situation, just mostly at church with church people. Because now when you have to go and step into different situations with different people who believe different things, then somehow or another, your, your faith is, is, is not intact. And then you feel like everybody else looking at you like that and everybody else seeing what God sees. And then there's a cluster of confusion because you're trying to figure out well, why these people treat me like this. Because you're still not convinced that you're supposed to be treated like that. You're still not convinced that you're the person. You're that person. You're not convinced. God is still trying to convince you through other people. God's still been telling you the same thing about yourself all this time through other people, through different situations, but you still see, oh, I'm just the grasshopper. For some of us, and this is what I'm going to let y'all go. And for some of us, this is where, you know, we, we have this fake, this fake uh, uh, humility. Man, I don't want to think, you know, more highly of myself than I want to think. Okay, then think the word, what the words say. It's fake humility to just be, oh, you know, I'm a grasshopper. You know, I ain't nothing. I'm a worm. I know I say that in the word, right? But you should, you should also have in your mouth, I'm more than a conqueror. You should also have in your mouth that I, I'm going to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of my testimony and love not my life unto the death. You should also have that in your mouth. We should also have these things in our mouth, too. It's okay to say, yeah, I, amen, you know, I'm, only, I'm just his child. I'm just his, you know. <laughs> you know, I done did it before, too. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you try, because if we be honest, we'll be honest when I say, when you say certain things and you begin to start building yourself up in the word, you feel like this is, you start to take ownership. You start to take ownership of that you're doing this. There's still not a separation. No, this is what he's doing for me. It doesn't mean I'm any better than anybody else, but it does mean that because he's in my life, this is what makes my life separate from everybody. It does mean I can do anything that anybody else do, crimes, all of it. it does, there's, there's no, from the bottom to the bottom. <laughs> you know, to the most perverted, the most crazy. But I, 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 hey, I'm capable of all of that. But, but with him, he keeps me. With him, he helps me. With him, he, because he sees this about me, I'm seeing this about me. Because he keeps me. He's the one that's helping me. He's the one that's that's strengthening me. He's the one that's doing this for me. So yeah, I am. I am a great man because of him, not because of me. I am going to be, and I am trying my best to be a great father, great husband, great pastor, great, you know, believer, great son. Am I succeeding in all that? No, not to my standards. And I don't believe to his either. But does it change the truth of what he sees? No, because that's what he sees. So I'm not going to 
I'm not going to downgrade because then I begin to accept that I'm less than what he said. And I, I shouldn't have to accept that. Because if I accept it for me, then I'm going to expect everybody else to accept it. And everybody else is not going to accept it because they see something different. They see what he sees. Most people see what God sees, but you don't want them to see that because you don't want the responsibility to come with that. It's your word world. On the inside, what does your word world look like? Is it a cluster of confusion? Are you, are you, is there a blurring of the lines of what well, God, you know, this is what you said, but is how I feel. Are you still confused about you, about what you truly believe, about what God's going to do with you? Are you afraid that if God raises you up, you're going to fall? What are your true, what are your true fears? Are you afraid that if God puts you in places of influence, you're going to be turned out? What are you really afraid of? Are you afraid that if you begin to grow, that people are going to leave your life, including folks who don't want to? That's going to put strains on your relationship that you don't want to put strains on. That it may change even how you do some things or how you look at some things, how you talk about some things. And it may make seem like you're different. But can you just be different if God wants you to be different? Are you afraid that it may, you may have to go through a certain period of rejection or something like that? Or not being understood? So we begin to get confused about what God said. I don't know. No. Look at what might happen. Amen.